An ounce of prevention is worth a pound of cure. According to the Electric Ben Franklin, the website that that actually is a quote from Mr. Franklin. Lots of quotes get attributed to Ben Franklin just to make them sound like they're more important, but that's actually one of his. Would you like to hear a few more? If you would not be forgotten as soon as you are dead and rotten, either write things worthy reading or do things worth the writing. <laughs> he had other fun ones like, He that lieth down with dogs shall rise up with fleas. <laughs> uh, you may know someone like whoever Ben was thinking of when he quipped, the worst wheel of a cart makes the most noise. <laughs> but many of his sayings were short ways of getting to some serious truth. When the well's dry, we know the worth of water. Mm. And work as if you were to live a hundred years. Pray as if you were to die tomorrow. Mm, I like that one. But his fun ones are great. Fish and visitors stink after three days. Yep, Ben Franklin actually wrote that. Of course, he didn't hesitate to speak on politics. The king's cheese is half wasted in pairings, but no matter, tis made of the people's milk. Ooh. And he gave lots of advice. Be slow in choosing a friend, slower in changing. Hmm. But he loved to jab at those he thought uh, wanting in character. People who are wrapped up in themselves make small packages. <laughs> Mostly, though, we know him for his work in the formation of our country, our new constitution. He wrote to Jean-Baptiste Leroy, is now established and has an appearance that promises permanency. But in this world, nothing can be said to be certain except death and taxes. <laughs> That's another big, big Ben Franklin. But let's go back to where we started. An ounce of prevention is worth a pound of cure. Realizing the truth of this statement, although it hadn't been said yet, and knowing God's plan for his descendants to rule Israel, King David thought it wise to put together some prevention for his sons. Actually, all the young men who were expected to rule in any capacity at all, were to be taught from this collection of wise sayings that David began. The finished collection contains words inspired by the Holy Spirit. We call it the book of Proverbs. Any young man who wishes to be wise would do well to join his ancient counterparts in absorbing this work on a daily basis. And this can be done very conveniently as we moderns have divided this book into 31 chapters. Whatever day of the month it is, simply read that chapter. Miss one this month? Easy. Catch up on it next month. And you can start today. <laughs> go home and read the 16th chapter of Proverbs. There you go. Life is easy. There are some great ones in there, by the way. The 31st chapter, though, it kind of gets short drift from this method. You know, there's only seven months with 31 days. So perhaps on this Father's Day, we who are fathers to the young men around us, biologically, adoptively, or spiritually, can take the time to focus on this chapter and see what we can teach young men from it. As it happens, this section also has significant instruction for young ladies. So in fact, 
anyone who looks up to an older man as a father in any way can benefit from our discussion today. And, I hope, those of us who fill the father's shoe can learn more about what it is we should teach the young ones about us. The words of King Lemuel, an oracle that his mother taught him. Back in May of 2007, for Mother's Day, we discussed King Lemuel's mom. We discussed who she was and how her identity related to her teaching for her son. Today, we simply want to start with the incredible influence of women, of a woman, on any man. Particularly boys not yet in their teens and young men with their moms. It's huge. It's Father's Day, not Mother's Day. So a big part of our interest here is for dads to recognize the importance in their choice of a mother for their children. This, of course, is of little import to those of us who have already made that choice. (laughs) But young men should pay attention if being a dad is a possibility in their future or the future of anyone they know. It is also true that as grown men, we need to be aware of our own mother's influence on our lives, for good or not. Please, let's not adopt that silly worldly attitude that simply being a mother makes a woman right, (laughs) let alone perfect. Mr. Franklin may be right when he said, one good husband is worth two good wives. For the scarcer things are, the more they're valued. (laughs) But the fact stands, there are a number of really terrible mothers out there. And not one perfect mom. Our moms did not do everything right. As the rest of the book of Proverbs and all the Bible teaches, we must consider what we were taught by any human in light of God's word. But still, our moms might have ask some really good and wise questions like, what are you doing, my son? What are you doing, son of my womb? What are you doing, son of my vows? Is she worried? (laughs) Should she be worried? (laughs) But it's Father's Day. Fathers of whatever type, if you are worried, take action. (laughs) Ask the tough questions. I'm sure, like me, more dads can say, I wish I had, more than I wish I had not. So confront the son or daughter you love. But I I don't think she's worried. Remember, he's writing down what she taught him when he was young. Train up a child in the way he should go, even when he is old, he will not depart from it. It's his mother's early training Lemuel wants to pass on to his sons. And I think his daughters, in this case. A little help here. Proverbs are not designed to be precision statements, okay? They are to teach wisdom, the flow of life. This particular one, train up a child, well, people have free moral agency and they might just go the other way. But it's almost a guarantee that if you don't train them upright, they will go the wrong way. You who have young children or plan to, start training early. Like when they first come out of the womb. Form their character when they are most pliable. 
and normal life flow will give you an adult child who goes the right way. What are you doing, my son? Why even ask the question? Philosophical materialism, the idea that there is no spiritual, nothing but the physical material universe. It's a common teaching in our schools today, from kindergarten to college. Every, it fills the books. If it were true, then this would be a stupid question. <laughs> what am I doing? I'm doing what my DNA is programmed to do. It's not like I can change who I am any more than a rock can change what it is. And if this anti-supernaturalistic theory were true, they'd be right. We would all just be the product of the physical forces that caused the muck to somehow come alive and then over a billion years made a trillion changes and here we are. <laughs> just a product of natural forces. And if we are just reconstituted pond scum, <laughs> then why wouldn't we act like that? Like scum, <laughs> that is to say. But if in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth and humanity, asking, what are you doing? Starts to make sense. Maybe we ought to listen to more that this wise woman taught her son. Teaching that he thought important enough, valuable enough, to pass on to his sons. And that the Holy Spirit thought important enough to pass on to us. And what was the first important thing she taught him? Do not give your strength to women, your ways to those who destroy kings. Did we not say that a woman's influence over a man was vast? Why would you give yourself over to a woman who is not worthy? It's an engaging study to go through the Bible and discover who the leading men's mothers were. Their wives also, or lovers. You'll be amazed how women controlled, in particular, the ones who went wrong. You don't have to go around the sun on this rock too many times to see it happening around us. Bad women drag all too willing men down. <laughs> Understand that throughout the Bible, immoral sexual behavior is pointed to as the foremost sin. The entire first section of Proverbs warns young men most thoroughly against the dangers of foolish women. Lemuel will come back to his mom's instruction on the effect of a woman on a man's life shortly. Wait for it. For now, she broaches the subject of another killer of young men. It is not for kings, O Lemuel, it is not for kings to drink wine or for rulers to take strong drink, lest they drink and forget what has been decreed and pervert the rights of all the afflicted. Kings of that day were also the judge and jury for every case, civil or criminal. Since the collection of wise sayings was specifically for the instruction of the young men, the young man who would become king, Lemuel in this case, she focuses on what addictions would do to him in his position. This teaching actually presented a problem for another young man a millennia later. A young man whose focus on serving God was commendable. 
Timothy was commissioned by Paul to appoint pastors as the church was exploding in growth and new congregations were springing up everywhere. And in the midst of speaking about that task, appointing pastors, Paul suddenly gives him a little personal instruction. No longer drink only water, but use a little wine for the sake of your stomach and your frequent ailments. Timothy saw his job as a pastor to pastors as so important that he completely avoided alcohol in any form to avoid any chance of perverting his calling. Problem, no chlorine. There were germs in the water and they were giving Timothy frequent stomach ailments. How do you kill germs without chlorine? With alcohol. We do need to be practical when it comes to addictive substances. If something ever happens here and we have no safe water system, feel free to mix a little wine with your water. It's okay. In fact, if you don't, you may actually be doing a disservice to God. How can you properly serve him when you're groaning in pain because germs have invaded your gastrointestinal tract? Wine may have some use. In fact, she goes on to say, give strong wine to the one who is perishing and wine to those in bitter distress. Let them drink and forget their poverty and remember their misery no more. Certainly, this is what many do even today for the dying with drugs usually nowadays, medicine for the depressed. And many think this is exactly what she thought people should do. But maybe she's using literary sarcasm. We have a problem. You see, drink, Ben says, does not drown care, but waters it and makes it grow faster. And I think he might be right. That's really a paraphrase of another proverb. Wine is a mocker, strong drink a brawler, and whoever is led astray by it is not wise. There are a number of other proverbs that speak strongly against consuming alcohol in an uncontrolled manner. The longest one says this, Who has woe? Who has sorrow? Who has strife? Who has complaining? Who has wounds without cause? Who has redness of eyes? Those who tarry long over wine. Those who go to try mixed drink. Do not look at wine when it is red, when it sparkles in the cup and goes down smoothly. In the end, it bites like a serpent and stings like an adder. Your eyes will see strange things and your heart will utter perverse things. You will be like one who lies down in the midst of the sea like one who lies on the top of a mast, they struck me, you will say, but it was not, but I was not hurt. They beat me, but I did not feel it. When shall I awake? I must have another drink. Flogging at sea, that's what he's saying. He flogged at sea, tied to a mast, and he couldn't even feel it. Wow. This is not the way of a king or the son of a king. The abuse of alcohol or any other addictive substance is not wise for us who are children of the king or anybody else. Addictions. There are more old drunkards than old doctors, Mr. Franklin wrote. Staying in an addiction your whole life is easy. Doing good your, during your life, especially your whole life, that's hard. For those of us in the Christian era, we have an unfailing help. Do not get drunk with wine, for that is debauchery, but be filled with the Spirit. Get addicted to the Spirit's role in your life, and you won't even want those other cravings. 
So, bad women and addictive substances, avoid them, Lemuel. But don't stop with avoiding wrong behavior. Go on to doing good. Open your mouth for the mute, for the rights of all who are destitute. Open your mouth. Judge righteously. Defend the rights of the poor and needy. What is serving God? Ben Franklin asked. Tis doing good to man. Have you ever heard of the selfish gene theory? The idea is spawned by the by philosophical materialism. If all that is, is the material, then it's obvious we must look out for number one, right? Everybody take care of yourself. Survival of the fittest, right? But that is exactly the opposite of what the scriptures tell us everywhere. Speak for those who cannot speak. Stand up for the rights of those who have no means to do so themselves. Open your mouth. <laughs> do not sit there in quiet and let injustice triumph. It was not Mr. Franklin, but Edmund Burke, who said, all that is necessary for evil to triumph is for good men to do nothing. As a king, Lemuel would be a judge, as would his son. The urgency is great. Do it right. Defend those who have nothing and those who are past having nothing to being in need. Unlike the imaginary, exclusively materialistic world, in God's world, the fit are to ensure the survival of the feeble. Remember why she said to avoid wine? So that he would not forget what has been decreed and pervert the rights of the afflicted? Decreed, she means the law of God, which pours out support for the afflicted. Do not keep quiet. Open your mouth. And once again, the path of the one who follows Christ leads even higher. If you love those who love you, what benefit is that to you? For even sinners love those who love them. And if you do good to those who do good to you, what benefit is that to you? For even sinners do the same. And if you lend to those from whom you expect to receive, what credit is that to you? Even sinners lend to sinners to get back the same amount. But love your enemies and do good and lend expecting nothing in return. And your reward will be great. And you will be sons of the Most High. For he is kind to the ungrateful and the evil. Men, men of God, to this we are called. To pour out our lives for the weak. Even for the ungrateful and the evil. It's amusing when people want to tell us that Christianity is a crutch for the weak. Ha! To stand up for those who cannot stand up for themselves. It takes much greater strength to do that. To love your enemies. Strength not our own. Jesus told the Apostle Paul, My grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, Paul said, I will boast all the more gladly of my weaknesses, so that the power of Christ may rest upon me. For the sake of Christ, then, I am content with weaknesses, insults, hardships, persecutions, and calamities. For when I am weak, then 
I am strong. We must live in the strength of Christ. And now she has another do-right instruction. Guidance that takes up the bulk of her teaching, actually, if you look at Proverbs 31. It's very important. An instruction that all young men should take to heart most carefully. Are you ready? There it is. An excellent wife who can find. What's the most important determination any young man will make? Here's a favorite Franklin quote. Keep your eyes wide open before marriage. Half shut afterwards. <laughs> uh, I'm not sure about that. But I do know that finding an excellent wife is a pursuit well worth the effort. An excellent wife, who can find? She is far more precious than jewels. The heart of her husband trusts in her and he will have no lack of gain. Kings of that day were more than judge and jury. They were the CEO of the kingdom. So jewels were a big deal to business operations. And a good wife will ensure the king has no lack of gain. But that's nothing to the next truth. She does him good and not harm all the days of her life. You know, if this is a picture of your wife, you know, fall on your knees and praise God for his goodness to you who do not deserve it. But Lemuel's description, is this an actual woman? <laughs> I mean, come on. Or is it a personification of wisdom? Throughout the Proverbs, wisdom is portrayed as a good woman and contrasted with foolishness portrayed by an adulteress. If that's the case here, then all of these instructions are about wise living in the sun rather than about choosing an excellent wife. But I think this is real. Wisdom personified in the wife, that she lives wisdom. And Lemuel, quoting his mom, gets very specific. She seeks wool and flax and works with willing hands. Wise men and women alike work with willing hands. As opposed to what Paul ran into, if anyone is not willing to work, let him not eat. For we hear that some among you walk in idleness, not busy at work, but busy bodies. Now such persons we command and encourage in the Lord Jesus Christ to do their work quietly and to earn their own living. Well done is better than well said, Mr. Franklin opined. We can point out that this instruction of Paul's eliminates the possibility of living off government welfare for any who can work. If you can work, you know, now I'm not talking Social Security, by the way. They took that money and they promised it back to you. <laughs> but able-bodied men and women need to earn their own living. And the more wisdom, the wider the field of endeavor. She is like the ships of the merchant. She brings her food from afar. And the more wisdom, the greater the effort expended. She rises while it is yet night and provides food for her household and portions for her maidens. She considers a field and buys it. With the fruit of her hands, she plants a vineyard. She dresses herself with strength and makes her arms strong. The focus is her household, her maidens. That's paired. 
not just her family, physically, biologically, but all who work for her and her are hers to care for. Men, there is nothing in the Bible that says you have to earn all the money for the family. That's an Americanism. <laughs> I do believe there are biblical roles for men and women, but earning money is not limited to the male biblically. And did you catch the phrase, dresses herself with strength? She takes care of herself so she can serve her household. She perceives that her merchandise is profitable. Her lamp does not go out at night. She puts her hands to the distaff and her hands hold the spindle. She thinks about her business and works hard at it. Remember the wool and the flax that she bought? That's materials acquisition. Okay, She's buying what she needs. She's also involved in production, the distaff and the spindle. To say it another way, she's willing to get her hands dirty. Look for a wife willing to work. That's what she's saying to him. Look for a wife willing to work. Lazy women who want to live off their husbands are just as much a problem as lazy men wanting to live off their wives. And we're back to where we were in verse 14. It's called an inclusio. She's willing to work at night, into the night in this case, which marks the completion of her work ethic in this description. Now we move to the character of this wife Lemuel is supposed to seek. She opens her hand to the poor and reaches out her hands to the needy. Poor and needy. Where have we heard that before? Oh yeah. The very ones for whom the king was to care back in verses 8 and 9. <laughs> this isn't a repetitious mistake. This is about partnership. A husband and wife need to have the same good character. They need to work together. Or is she maybe saying a wife who has the right character will help you, Lemuel, develop these good traits yourself? Perhaps she's saying, Lemuel, lead your wife into this right spirit. I, I'm not sure. Maybe it's all of these things. In any event, she is not afraid of snow for her household, for all her household are clothed in scarlet. She makes bed coverings for herself. Her clothing is fine linen and purple. It's a focus on the family moment. <laughs> but also a moment to say, this woman will do what she does well to a high standard of quality. And when she does... Her husband is known in the gates when he sits among the elders of the land. Once again, for whom is this instruction given? Remember, her yet unmarried son. That's who's getting this instruction. An excellent wife. Who can find? Behind every great man is a great woman. That's not scripture. <laughs> but it might be a conclusion driven from this text or drawn from this text. I know, some of you have heard behind every great man is a surprised mother-in-law. <laughs> we often make a joke of success. To be successful, you have to choose good parents. <laughs> you can't choose your parents, but you can choose your spouse. Let us tell our children, do it carefully. I told you this was the instruction Lemuel's mom thought most important. And now she recaps all she said about this woman in four statements. She makes linen garments 
and sells them. She delivers sashes to the merchant. Strength and dignity are her clothing, and she laughs at the time to come. She opens her mouth with wisdom, and the teaching of kindness is on her tongue. Okay, there's a little new information about who she is in these middle two statements. She doesn't fear the future because she has executed a plan to prepare for it. She teaches wisdom and kindness. Uh, to whom? Oh, maybe those children you want to have. Hmm? Recap number four, what she does and who she is both. She looks well to the ways of her household and does not eat the bread of idleness. She is good for her husband all his days, remember? Another writer of Proverbs wrote these words by the Holy Spirit. The wisest of women builds her house, but folly with her own hands tears it down. What are you doing, my son? What do you want in life in a wife? One of whom it will be said her children rise up and call her blessed, her husband also, and he praises her. Many women have done excellently, but you surpass them all. Every man wants to say and hear these things. Every man. Men have a need to be proud of their wives. And men, if you want kids who will bless your wife, you'd better be quoting our friend Lemuel. <laughs> The instruction here, though, is to unmarried young men. In other words, find a woman for whom these things could be said. One her husband can praise. Praise for what? Charm is deceitful and beauty is vain. But a woman who fears the Lord is to be praised. It's not the looker but the woman who looks to the Lord. That, that is, we got to see this, that's the summary of all Lemuel's mom has taught him about women. Avoid women who ignore God. Look for a woman sold out to God. And when you found and married her, give her the fruit of her hands and let her works Praise her in the gates. The gates. Remember, the husband's praised in the gate. It's not just the husband who will be praised in the public sector. In a partnership like this, both are praised. In fact, ladies, I can tell you that men give attention more to you and your character than you imagine. Probably much more than they do your husband. Because they know that men with a partner of great character will naturally, normally, be great themselves. Proverbs 31, last chapter. In a sense, it is a summary of all the wisdom here accumulated for the king's sons. Think about what you are doing. Do not waste your life on women or wine. Stand up for what is right and for those who cannot stand up for themselves. Choose carefully your life's partner and treat her honorably. 
choose wisdom. What are you doing, my son? If you are a father, ask those who are your children, what are you doing? Listen to the father in your life. And each of us should remember on this Father's Day that we all share one father. Can we hear him ask, what are you doing, my child? Let's pray.